I also have to look at, you know, their assets to see, hey, buddy, do you have three homes and you're trying to get money from the government? My father um, was a businessman in Ghana. So occasionally he would travel abroad and, you know, earn the income and come back home to my mother. So I believe I got that from him. So the most challenging is seniors um, because you um, you build a connection. Initially, when I started my debt-free journey, it was very restricted. <laughs> Aquaba. All right, welcome to another great episode of the Dre and Smiley podcast, the Inner Circle podcast. Today we have another great guest. I am so excited to introduce you all to Stephanie. I met Stephanie on the airplane from from Toronto to Charlotte, and I was just laughing with Dre. I said she walked on the plane. I was like, please let her sit in my row. Please let her sit in my row. <laughs> and she sat in my row next to me. And, and in my mind, I thought she's either going to, it's going to be a monologue or it's going to be a dialogue, but she's going to hear me speak. And, and I was so glad it was a dialogue. Stephanie is an amazing person who works in the social worker failed space and we were excited to have her tell us about herself and her experiences and her journey. So welcome to the podcast, Stephanie, and, and please tell us, what do you do? Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> um, yes, it was really cool meeting you. I really enjoy getting to know you. Um, so I am a social worker and right now I am located in Toronto, Ontario. So I am Canadian. Um, yay. <laughs> <laughs> and basically what I do is that I work with the government here. And what we do is that we assess eligibility for financial assistance. So typically I would wake up, I would look at certain files to see what the issue is, what the scenario is, why do they require social assistance? Um, I also have to look at, you know, their assets to see, hey, buddy, do you have three homes and you're trying to get money from the government? Or, hey, buddy, do you have stocks with um, um, dividends and you're trying to get money from the government? So <laughs> you'll be surprised. We do. I was thinking, does that really happen? It does happen. It does happen. Yeah. People have huge assets. And sometimes they still, for some reason, think that they're eligible for government assistance. So that is typically my job, just reviewing files, reviewing cases, interviewing people, um, you know, reading policies, making sure that we're abiding by the laws here to ensure that the people who are in need get the money that they require in order to survive. Okay, interesting. So tell me this. How did you get into that field? So when you started out, you know, going back as far as you'd like to go, um, mm -hmm. when did you first realize or how did you make the transition from doing what you were doing before into the field you're in now? So initially, when I got into this field, I always wanted to be like a guidance counselor for high schools. And I also loved talking about money. And I also loved learning about money. So I thought, okay, like, what type of job allows me to, you know, provide services where I can refer people to 
local communities where they're able to, you know, get the support they need, as well as talk about money. So I started to do some research and I learned a little bit about welfare and I learned about different divisions within the within the city and the government. Um, before that, I was working at a university as a receptionist and I was helping students with um accommodation requests. So let's say they were not feeling well or they had some sort of disability and they required more time for their essays or perhaps um, to prepare them for exams. I would sort of be the middle person to advocate for them to get them an extension. So from there, I again did some research, um, got into the government, and then yeah, I, I landed on this amazing opportunity. Initially, I just had um, something called caseloads where mm-hmm. people are on the system already. So you're just there to support them, refer them to services, you know, give them financial supports. And then the opportunity came for me to be a part of the assessment team. So I took that opportunity and it's been it's been really amazing to just not have a caseload anymore, but to, you know, look at people's circumstance and really decide, you know, hey, you're eligible or hey, you're not eligible. And we do have um, an automatic system, an automated system where it screens people in and out. So with our system, we're able to look at it to see, okay, a human eye needs to be on this, or perhaps we need to be more compassionate about someone's situation and give them money for 30 days to figure out whatever issue they're facing so that they can bounce back. Makes sense. I have a question, a question about that system and how it functions, but let's go back a bit. So for me, I, I have involvement with the community doing volunteer work, things like that. And um, that comes from seeing my mother and father, both with jobs that, that uh, allow them to also work in the community. So my guess is that's where the seed was planted for me to do that. For you, you mentioned that you have a strong interest in finance and you clearly have an interest and passion in, um, in working to offer services to others that are less fortunate. Where do those two things come from? Your interest in finance and your desire to give back to the community in the way you're doing now. Where did that come from? So for the finance part, my father um, was a businessman in Ghana. So occasionally he would travel abroad and, you know, earn the income and come back home to my mother. So I believe I got that from him. Um, But eventually we ended up moving from Ghana to um, Canada and he's still in Ghana. And with helping people, I actually followed my sister's um, lead. She went into social work and she's like, hey, I think this is going to be a great opportunity for you too. So again, I just went to school like her and it's been an amazing journey. I've really enjoyed helping people. I've worked with seniors, single parents, children, youth, all of it. So it's been really rewarding. That's great. That's great. My brother-in-law is Ghanaian. Uh, my sister oh. and her husband um, lived in Ghana for a while. And it, she taught me, um, he speaks uh, Chui. Am I saying it correctly? Yeah, yeah. Yes, Chui. I wish, I wish I could remember how to say hello, but I can't, so I won't even try. But <laughs> 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 well, maybe you can tell me. Can you remind me? Do you, do you speak? You probably don't speak. Do you speak? I do, yes. I No, I speak fluent Chui, yes. So, how do you say hello? Aquaba. That sounds familiar. 
Yeah, but but most importantly, like, welcome. Yeah. How, how do you say smiley and truly? Oh, I would say slit, like sway, 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 sway. It like just means smile, but there is no smiley. <laughs> oh, I'm unique. I'm original in Ghanaian language. <laughs> well, the one thing I want to circle back to where you were talking about the money. You said you, you learned, you got the, the seed was planted from your father. But do you study anyone like Warren Buffett or any of the financial greats when you look at that? Or what? how do you feed your passion for money and the learning and uh, understanding of the dividends and the stocks and the various assets you see on a day to day? How do you get your greater knowledge from that, that that realm? So I'm not like really, really into a lot of the original people. I initially started listening to Dave Ramsey um, mm-hmm. on YouTube because I did have student debt. That's no longer a thing for me. <laughs> Congratulations. So once, thank you. Once I graduated, I was like, okay, like, you know, I'm making money, but for some reason... I can't hold on to it. So I need to learn. This is not something that was taught in school, either in university or in high school. So again, I went to the great internet. I started doing some research and I found Dave Ramsey. Um, Also at my previous job, one of my managers, she was like an accountant and her son worked for an investment company called Wealth Simple. I'm not sure if you heard about that. Um, it's like an investing platform. Yeah, it's an investing platform where you sort of send your money there and they just um, automatically invest for you. So those are the two um, tools I have been using to learn about money and to invest and grow my money, of course. Yes. Oh, that's fascinating. And then circling back just on the other side to the social work, you mentioned you work with seniors, uh, children, out of all the different demographics you work with, which one is the most challenging and why? And which one is the most rewarding and why? So the most challenging is seniors um, because you um, you build a connection with them, right? And sometimes due to personal um, illness, they may not be able to see you frequently. Sometimes due to memory, they may forget about you. And um, what's really challenging is that knowing that they're at the end of life. So at any time, you know, you can lose that great friend who you build a great connection with. And um, what's so rewarding about that is just learning about their history, learning about their story, learning about their family, learning about their passion. So, yeah. That's that's one part for children. Um, the most rewarding is, you know, just getting to learn about their curiosity through life, you know, getting to learn about what their interests are, um, getting to just play with them, getting to talk with them, you know. Um, but the most challenging is sometimes getting them to behave, getting them to listen, getting them to, you know, agree to certain activities because, you know, they're their own person and they want to do what they want to do. Yeah, I understand that. Um, There's a story I'll share with you just so you don't feel alone in terms of money management. So when I was much younger, I was in college and Mm -hmm. I had so much debt. It was just, you know, it was unbearable. And I remember this uh, guy on the radio 
His name was Mike Roberts. He used to uh, be the radio host for uh, a show in Atlanta. And he shared a story about how he was in so much debt. He never thought he'd climb out of it. And then he, you know, discovered his habits were poor and he changed his habits and came out of debt. And I thought, man, I wonder what that's like not to have any debt. Right. And so like you, I discovered a guy named Clark Howard and he's uh, kind of like Dave, Dave Ramsey. Uh, but I, I think I would consider Clark Howard kind of Dave Ramsey light. Um, at any rate, uh, I got to a point, Stephanie, where I was debt free and it was an incredible feeling. So let, let me ask you, and then I have a follow-up question in terms of your career, things like that. What was the feel? How would you describe the feeling of, of you know, having these new habits and uh, better money management? It was amazing. Initially, when I started my debt-free journey, it was very restricting. <laughs> you know, um, again, I could not go out. Um, I had to really cut back on a lot of expenses. I was buying new clothes consistently. Mm. And then my friend said, you know, let's go to the thrift store. And we You're started like, what? To- thrift yeah. store? What's that? <laughs> I told her, no, you know, I don't think it's for me. <laughs> I went in and I found some stuff that were pretty affordable. And I thought to myself, okay, instead of, you know, buying brand new items, I can, you know, occasionally go to the thrift store and get the items I require. So that was really helpful because I am a shopaholic. Like I love shopping. I love buying new items. So that has completely managed my expense in that category. Um, but now that I am debt free, I just have a sense of freedom. I was able to save more money. I am able to travel more. I, um, last year I went to three, no, I went to two countries and then I went to Vancouver and then the States once I am able to go to different fun activities with my nephew. So my sister has two children and it's not an issue to take him to, you know, an amusement park or to take him to an aquarium or to even take him to the science center. And most mm. of these experiences, they do come with a cost, right? So you have sure. to be ready to spend that money. Um, what else? I am able to think about bigger investments in the future, yeah. you know. Um, Kevin, we were talking about properties, <laughs> Mm-hmm. When I met you and I mentioned, you know, um, I right now I do have one investment property and I'm working to obtain a second investment property. And it's just been really rewarding to start building that generational wealth. You know, what we should have done, Stephanie, if you and I had met Smiley, like, I don't know, back before we got in the trouble we got into, we'd be better off. And, and Smiley, you want to tell her why? In terms of our shopping <laughs> habits, I, I, was, exactly. I was like you, Stephanie. I would buy. It was crazy. I'd buy one shirt in one color, the exact same shirt in a different color. Buy a leather jacket in one color. Buy the same leather jacket in a different. It was horrible. But Smiley, you want to share with, with Stephanie why we'd be better off? Well, so what I do is I go to the uh, to the thrift store. I go there religiously. Oh. So I go there religiously, and when you saw me. Everything I had on other than my my company logo was from the thrift store. Wow. Last week, when I met Stephanie, I was on my way back from Toronto. I had just gone to a slaughterhouse, a pig slaughterhouse in the morning in, in Toronto. 
Well, I just last week I was in a thrift store and I bought two pair of Wrangler jeans. Wow. For seven dollars, seven dollars, seven. And and when you Google Wrangler, Wrangler is like forty to sixty dollars jeans. Those steel toe boots I was wearing was another thrift store for like eighteen dollars, twenty with taxes. I I haven't been in a real mall in 20, 10 to fifteen years. And the funny thing is, my daughter, she's now fifteen, yes. when she was she was up till seven or up until nine, I would take her to the thrift store. And she would say, well, daddy, why do we need to get the clothes cleaned if it's new? I was like, well, no, it's it's okay. I just like to make sure it's extra clean for you. And then her mother told her that I was taking her to get used clothes. And now she won't step into a thrift store. She only goes to the mall with her mom. But with me, she knows we're going to the thrift store. So. I love it. So, I love it. But either way, but this is fascinating. And I'm so excited because... We did talk about real estate and Dre is into real estate. I'm into real estate. And and your journey from, say, getting into social work, getting into assessment, looking at the money and leveraging that into real estate. Can you share a little bit about your vision of real estate? Let's say we're talking to you today. It's 2023. Mm-hmm. Let's fast forward. It's 2033. Stephanie is most excited because she has 50 apartment units in Ghana, Accra. She has 50 in Texas and 25 in Toronto. What is what is Stephanie doing in 2023 from or 2033 from a real estate perspective? Oh, that's a great question. So Stephanie is looking at more real estate to purchase. Definitely here for building more. Um, but I, d- I always wanted to open a shelter for women. So mm. I would love to have real estate to just support newcomers from maybe like just Africa or just from the islands. Because with my work, what I'm seeing is that there is a lot of immigrants coming into Canada. However, a lot of Black immigrants are ending up in the homeless shelters compared to non-Black immigrants. Um, we have a lot of Turkish Um, individuals coming into Canada right now. We also have a lot of Ukrainians. Um, But the trend I'm seeing is that, you know, they're housed really quickly versus other individuals that are just going straight to the homeless shelters. And that is predominantly people coming from Jamaica, St. Vincent, um, from Kenya, from Ghana. And I'm just seeing that imbalance. So that is something I would love to own real estate to sort of support newcomers from those parts of the world. Um, Definitely traveling more. Um, So right now I'm working on my second property, but the goal within five years is to have five properties. I have wrote it down. It is coming to a reality. I need to figure out how, but it's coming to a reality. So yeah, hopefully in the next 10 years, 10 properties and some sort of shelter to support individuals in need. I'm, I'm a big advocate for immigrants coming in because it's so hard for them to readjust, to find employment, to gain the support that they require. And what I'm noticing is that a lot of times their basic needs, again, are just not met and they fall more into poverty and, and into hardship and into mental health illnesses. So that would be the goal. 
I, I love the way you responded because you responded with your real estate vision, but it tied into your 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 passion, which is helping others and giving back. So it's it's your foundation. They're interwoven. The money and the and the helping and some people say, oh, 10 years from now, I'm going to have a yacht and I'm going to be sailing around the world, chilling. You, you wove in your passion into the money is going to help you give back to others, which I define as an earthbound angel. So way to go with your, your earthbound angel views and, and goals. And no, that's amazing. So when you mentioned that different, the disparity that you noticed coming into the particular country because it's, it's in America too. It's in the U S it's everywhere. If you had a magic wand, what would you think would be the one thing that could equal it or, or say, you know, if I could take out this one provision of the law or this one guidance, or if I could change people's perspective in this one area, it'll have the greatest impact for people of color, non-color, but just all human beings. What would that one silver bullet change of personal dynamics? to enhance everyone's self? I think just um, with the trends in Toronto, it would be that everyone has um, access to equal housing um, and everyone should be able to afford housing in Toronto. Um, The real estate market has gone up dramatically in Toronto and it's extremely hard to purchase. So because of that, a lot of people are becoming homeless and more so for the newcomers, it's, it's, it's harder for them to obtain any sort of housing to live in and to even start their new life in Canada. Hmm, interesting. So let's talk about housing a bit more in terms of investments. So your investment currently is in Toronto you're looking to acquire another property. Is that also going to be in Toronto? So my investment is outside of the Toronto. So it's called um, Greater Toronto Area. So we have the main city, but my property is about 40 minutes drive outside of Toronto because it is too expensive um, to afford right now. But that is the Mm. end goal to afford in Toronto. Um, my next investment, again, it's going to be about 20 to 40 minutes away from Toronto. Um, mm. The goal is to move closer, but mm. there is a lot of cities right now that are growing outside of Toronto. Yeah, so here in the States, um, generally speaking, to acquire investment property, uh, generally speaking, there's many different ways to acquire it. Uh, 20% down, um, you know, the the debt to income ratio, look at all that, uh, how much money the the property itself is producing, things like that. Is that pretty much the norm for Toronto as well? Okay. So then let me ask you this. Looking outside of the States or outside of Canada, um, I hear a lot about what's going on in Africa, just the opportunities in terms of, you know, business development, et cetera. So let's narrow that down just a bit to Ghana. So have, do you have a, your finger on the pulse of what's going on there in terms of development and things like that? And if so, can you share with us some of the exciting things that are going on there in terms of uh, business development or the development of, of different areas of, of Ghana, Accra, obviously? Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I have not done any research, but that is mm-hmm. something that I would definitely be interested in. You'd be um, open to it. Okay. 
Yes. A few of my uncles and my mom, they have some sort of investments there. And uh, one of my friends just bought a property in Nigeria. So now uh, I'm also starting to do the research to see, okay, yeah. what opportunities are out there for me. Yeah. Because my, my sister and her husband, they're actually mm-hmm. moving back to Ghana um, in about a year. So they're heading over next month to kind of do some uh, recon, if you will, to kind of get a sense of the area, because he's from there, so his family's there, but to get a sense of where they want to live and opportunities, they're going to get involved in that sort of thing. Um, so I'm, I'm eager for once they get settled to go over there and see myself what uh, what they plan to do. So looking beyond the the your career and your investments in uh, rental properties and the like, what kind of things do you do for fun to relax and, you know, and, and kind of just regenerate yourself? I go on vacations and I meet new people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> meet I... random old guys on the plane like me. <laughs> do, do you do things, do you do, do anything in particular to stay sharp in your, in your um, profession? Um, in addition to traveling, things like that? I attend a lot of professional conferences within my city. I also read some books. Um, I take a walk. I exercise. I hang mm. out with family. Mm. Um, I go to new like theater performances. I'm really into arts, the arts. Mm. I go to art galleries. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty uh- much it. <laughs> so I love hearing that because uh, we've had a few uh, mental health professionals on and we've talked to them specifically about how do we make sure that our mental health is intact. And each of them that have come on have said pretty much the exact same thing, which is making sure that you take time for yourself, making sure that you're exercising, making sure that you're engaging with your friend group um and and taking time downtime away from from the uh every day of you know whatever job you have things like that it sounds like like you're doing that so which leads me to believe your mental health is is strong and uh and intact yes but you know i do live in a country where there's a lot of snow so in january we didn't see i believe we did not see the sun for about 20 days whoa yeah. That sounds like Alaska. Yeah, <laughs> I I know when I was uh, when I was there in December, that was so cold in my mind, and I couldn't. I was only there for twenty four hours, but it was a cold twenty four hours. I couldn't was wait it? to get back. Couldn't wait to get back to Tampa. I was like, please <laughs> get me back to some sunshine. <laughs> well, one thing is, you mentioned that you speak uh, Shui from Ghana. How many languages do you speak? Oh, good question. I speak two. So I speak three and I speak English. Yes. So English is my second language because I was born in Ghana and I came Mm -hmm. here when I was 10. So I've been, you know, I think my English is better now, but I do speak fluently three. Oh, that's amazing. And so when you, when you, I was, I was so glad that Dre asked you about Africa because I watch on YouTube what's going on. I like to watch different things about culture and, and, Senegal, of course, Akon's there, and then you see Nigeria and different parts of Africa. 
I would like to have a strategy. So in my 10 year vision, I want to own property over there because Dre and I have mutual friends who travel and he has family members who traveled to Ghana. I've been to Ghana once. I've been to Accra. Then I went to Cape Coast and it was just a fascinating experience for me. And um, you mentioned the Caribbean too. So when do you, have you traveled to the Caribbean? And if so, which islands have you visited and which ones you like best? I have not traveled yet to the Caribbeans, but I am looking at a cruise for my birthday in August to go to the islands. So I'm quite excited about that. <laughs> no, that is awesome. Well, speaking on the same travel, because I, I am a strong believer that when you travel, you see other cultures, you get other ideas, you get other experiences. And, and in my I've been to 27 different countries and I thought I was doing something. And then my, my brother was on, he was retired military. He's been 130 countries. So speaking on the same theme of countries, it's 2033. Stephanie's been to X amount of countries and which, how many have you been to now? And how many would you anticipate being in 2033? So right now, I believe I've been to five countries. By 2033, mm -hmm. I would like to hit 50 countries. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yes. And which is the, if you had, like, if you won the lottery or just you got a windfall cash right now and your job gave you infinite time off, which country would you go to and why? Right now, tomorrow. I would go to Nigeria. It's right beside okay. Ghana, but yeah. they have a huge population. So I would love to see and learn about the culture in Nigeria. And I do have a few Nigerian friends, so it would be really cool to compare their foods, you know, and their culture and bring it back. <laughs> Nigeria's on my bucket list as well. And uh, my daughter's 15 and I told her, I when she was younger and I would put on her iPad app, I would make her memorize the countries in Africa so mm -hmm. she could know which ones. And then when she and her girlfriends wanted to make money to go to the amusement park, I'd say, Write me a four-page story about any country in Africa. First page is about the demographics, what it's about. Second grade is about, or the second page is about what the industries are. So they would write me these paper. I give them $25. And my daughter's done over like six different countries in Africa. And I get a little short report because I want her horizon to be global, not just the 50 states or not just North America, but global. And Nigeria is one of the ones she wrote a paper on. So that's fascinating. Yeah, that's great. Tell me this, Stephanie, what's one thing that people don't know about you that you wish they knew? Um, well, I love animals. Um, <laughs> I, used to, I used to have two cats, but they're no longer living with me. Um, so that's something I love to do. Sometimes I go to farms and I just watch them live their life. Um, mm. when I was in Atlanta, they had, uh, in Atlantic city, they had a whole bunch of goats and they had rabbits and they had like chickens and everyone was so scared to touch them. So I, <laughs> I just <walked laughs> up and started to pet them and, you know, with yeah. With right. people, they started giving me weird looks, and I right, said, right. Me all the time. Why can't we pet Gopi? <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to. So, That's we hilarious. have something we call Stephanie the final four. 
if you were to have dinner, there's four tables, four chairs at the table. You're in one of them. The other three tables, the other three chairs, living or dead, living or dead, who do you want to have dinner with and why? Okay. So the first person would be my grandmother. Um, before coming to Canada at the age of 10, I was living with her. Um, she was, you know, taking care of the household. She was making sure that all my needs were taken care of, but I didn't really get to know her that much because she was always sort of working and my sister and I, we were going to school. So I think at this age, I would love to talk to her, get to know her, get to know about her story, her history, all of that. Um, the second person is Michelle Obama. I love Michelle. I think she's so beautiful. I think she's so smart. Um, I think she's a wonderful woman. So it would be amazing to sit down with her and have a conversation. And the third person is my grandfather. Um, he was a king in a small tribe in Ghana. So I would have loved to learn how he got to that position and what his responsibilities were. Um, I never really got uh, an understanding of that. And no one talks about it in my family. So it would have been it it would have been really cool to sort of get an understanding of what he did. Yeah, yeah. That's something I also regret is my my nana, my grandmother. Um I spent time with her, but I feel like I could have spent more quality time with her to learn more about my family tree and things like that. So yeah, I have that in common with you. Um thinking about you yourself personally and professionally what's been your greatest success i think for me my greatest success is number one coming into canada um with my family and just really working on myself and pushing myself to obtain property i am the first person in my family to own here so that's been a huge accomplishment. Um, and coming into Canada, my mom was a single mother. So it was, you know, it's, it was difficult. It was difficult. So just pushing myself, believing in myself, doing research and, you know, being very aggressive with my savings in order to achieve the start of building wealth has been a huge accomplishment for me. Awesome. Here's one. If you had to say you had a superpower, something that was uniquely Stephanie, what is uniquely you and that's your superpower? I think for me, just based on the work I do, it is the ability to talk to anyone in any circumstance and support them or hear them or direct them in whatever the situation may be. Hmm. Yeah. I see that. I see that. So if you could write an autobiography about your life, what would the title be? The Adventures of Stephanie. I like it. I like Adventures it. of Stephanie. Kind of makes sense. So I think about all that you've shared with us. You've had a, a um, life that has been filled with adventures, starting off in Ghana, moving over to Toronto. And then your journey to becoming uh, the person you are today, right? It's it's, mm -hmm. it's filled with uh, some excitement. It sounds like some challenges. That you, one that you and I share with the debt thing. 
Um, so yeah, I definitely appreciate you coming on to the podcast and sharing your life and, and your and your uh, your journey with us. It's been a great, great, uh, great time with you. And Stephanie, and Stephanie, I really, really appreciate you. Uh, first of all, sitting in my room. Second of all, enduring <laughs> enduring a nonstop conversation with the. Could have been a monologue, but was definitely a dialogue. <laughs> I appreciate that. And really? and thanks for being on the show. We we really appreciate you sharing your ideas, your visions, your experiences, and your future. You gave us a piece of your future, and we really appreciate that. So I thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I had a great time.